Our gospel reading this morning is from the gospel according to Matthew, the third chapter. We read verses 1 through 12. Hear now the word of God. In those days, John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness of Judea, proclaiming, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come here. This is the one of whom the prophet Isaiah spoke when he said, The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Now John wore clothing of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. Then the people of Jerusalem and all Judea were going out to him, and all the region along the Jordan, and they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many Pharisees and Sadducees coming for baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruit worthy of repentance. Do not presume to say to yourself, We have Abraham as our ancestor. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children of Abraham. Even now the axe is lying at the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down I baptize you with water for repentance, but one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor, and will gather his wheat into the granary, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This morning, the Gospel of Matthew introduces us to John the Baptist. And I want us to take just a moment this morning and think about John the Baptist and who he was and the ministry he carried out. And in order to talk about John the Baptist, we first need to talk about his parents for just a minute. Elizabeth, his mother, and Zachariah, his father. Elizabeth and the Virgin Mary, the mother of Jesus, were relatives to know that. John the Baptist were related. And Zechariah was a priest of the temple, which would have meant sort of for that time and place, he was socially out of a high class. He was an influential person as a priest in the temple. Whether or not he had material wealth, we don't know, but we would have known him to be a person of importance and influence. We know he was a man that, if it seems elsewhere in Scripture, we're told he was respected by those well, Elizabeth and Zachariah have married for many years and were unable to have a child. Now, as wrong-headed as we know it to be, and as much as I disagree with it, in that time and place, the, the inability to conceive a child would have been seen as maybe there's something wrong with you. Maybe you have some sin in your life that you're being punished for, that this is a consequence of, or maybe your ancestors even had done something, and you're this generation continuing to pay the price. I say that to say that as much as Elizabeth and Zachariah would have wanted a child, there would be this sort of other things that while they may have been respected by their neighbors, there was always this thing that was just sort of a, we don't know how they came to terms with it or if they came to terms with it, but the years passed Medically impossible for Elizabeth to uh, con- 
see the child. And still, Zechariah had a vision. He said, it's not too late. You're going to have a son, and you're going to name him John. And that's what happened. Elizabeth had a baby, and they named him John. Imagine the joy they experienced. Here we have yet again in the scripture the story of an impossible birth. Think of Elizabeth, who was too old to have children. Jesus, born of the virgin. We have in the Old Testament multiple stories of difficult times of, of when children are not able to be born yet. God works a miracle to make it happen. This is another one of those letting us know that God's up to something here. John the Baptist has a special role in mission to play in the world. We don't have any details of what happens in John's life. We just know that at some point he becomes an adult. But I can imagine he grew up with advantages because of his father's social position. He grew up with all the things we want to spoil our children with. And then one day, he just walked out the front door and he went off into the wilderness. And we're giving some Stories about what he did in the wilderness were told that he lived off the land, that he wore rough clothing made of camel's hair, that he ate locusts and wild honey. I think I could probably get by eating wild honey, but I don't know that I'm going to eat locusts. And in the wilderness, he began a preaching and teaching ministry. He called people to change their lives. He called people as part of this reorienting their lives toward God to go experience baptism. Now, John the Baptist's baptism was not Christian baptism in the strict sense of the word. Rather, it was a ritual bathing. It was a symbolic act that we see happening elsewhere in the Jewish world at this time as a sign of repentance. But it's a sign of repentance. It's a sign of reorienting one's life Godward, and that is what John is calling people to. And I think across the centuries through the pages of Scripture today, we have the same call. God is, through John, calling us to reorient our lives toward God. John's message is that of the Old Testament prophets, that the Messiah, the Christ, the Savior, John's cousin Jesus, was about to begin his ministry, that he was about to be revealed to the world, and that when he is we should be ready for his message. That this ministry that the entire world ought to get ready to hear is about to be revealed. And John is saying, orient your lives toward God so that when this Savior is revealed, you'll know him and be able to hear him. In other words, get ready. Hold on to that idea for a minute. I bet some of you have seen a flying fish before. If you've ever fished offshore, it's a really big thing to see. You just kind of see it just pop up out of the water and flutter across the side of the waves for a little while and then flop back in. I've seen that in the Atlantic Ocean. I have never seen that anywhere else. I have a friend who lives and travels west South Carolina who one day sent a picture on social media and it was a picture of a fish with bass fish one on his front porch step. Now, bass don't fly. They don't walk. He didn't live near a lake or a pond or even a creek. Yet somehow a bass appeared on his front doorstep. Now he was kind of new to the area. He's like, is this some sort of like foothill sign of warning that I need to 
somebody who just put out there with this picture, how did this happen? I'm assuming nobody put a bass on my front porch. I want to know how it got there. And so I think I have the answer. And I should. I don't know I have the answer, but this is what I imagine happened to other people in the room. And once you get the wisdom of it, you will A hawk or an osprey or some bird of prey caught a fish and started to fly away with it. And at some point, whether the fish started flopping around or this hawk or this osprey had an itchy beak and had to let go of the time to scratch it, I don't know. But somehow or another, this bird of prey was flying over my friend's house. He lost the fish, and it just so happened to land right on my friend's front footstep. And there it sat for him to discover the next morning. I think that's what happened. But he found this fish on his front porch, and he's like, I don't know what to do with this. By the way, he threw it away. But still, that's what he did with it. But this thing had come into his life, this thing that didn't seem to make sense. And he had to figure out what to do with it. He had to figure out how to respond. The humorous way of talking about things dropping into our life. But Jesus as John the Baptist tells us, it's about to be here. And we need to get ready. And the gospel presents us with the immediacy of Jesus who is here. What are we going to do about it? How are we going to respond? Do we just look and say, well, that's interesting, and keep about our merry way, or do we change? Do we think we have to figure out how we're going to respond? John the Baptist Figuratively drops Jesus at our feet and says, Do something. Do something about this. Do something having been confronted with the Savior of the world. He did it for his hearers 2,000 years ago, and through the Word of God, he does it for us here and now. John the Baptist was tasked to prepare the way of the Lord. Sometimes we might feel like we're flung out into uncharted space, not sure where we're going, but knowing we're getting there in a hurry. They're clashing priorities in our lives. Sometimes we might feel like a fish flying through the air that knows it's not supposed to be an airborne fish, or we might feel like the person who walks out of our door one morning and finds a, finds a fish lying there. Life throws us curveballs. Things can happen to any of us this time of year, especially where we're distracted. And the pressures of the season can rob us of the meaning of the season. It's easy to take on the coloration of the society in which we find ourselves. There's enormous power in things to distract us and our attention from God. And this time of year, we have to guard against being swamped by pressures. God's Word tells us to make preparations for the coming of the Lord. We see that in these verses I've just read. John, the son of Zechariah, says, Prepare the way of the Lord. I think so much of the joy of Christmas is in the preparation for Christmas and the anticipation of its arrival. I think that's part of what our Advent journey is about. Not rushing to Christmas, but, but, but knowing that the arrival of Jesus is imminent. You know when we need to prepare, but 
taking the time to prepare, or to prepare with hope and anticipation. In a former church, a mother in the church told me a story that happened with her three-year-old daughter. She was a pretty young three-year-old as Christmas approached, and when they started putting up trees and hanging wreaths, as children will, she got excited for Christmas. But as a three-year-old, her mind could not cognitively understand the passage of time in the way that an adult mind would. She understood today. She understood tomorrow. She understood yesterday. But past that, she couldn't explain. She couldn't truly wrap her head around it. So what she did was every morning, she would wake up and she would say, Mommy, is it Christmas today? And every morning, her mom would say, No. And she said, Is it Christmas tomorrow? And she would say, No. And she did this morning after morning as Christmas grew closer and closer. The mother would try to explain, All right, look at the calendar. Now, see, Christmas is on Wednesday. And this is Tuesday. So we get to tomorrow. And then, no way to understand it. So day after day, the little girl woke up, Mommy, is today Christmas? No. Is tomorrow Christmas? No. Until one morning, the little girl woke up and said, Mommy, is today Christmas? No. Is tomorrow Christmas? Yes. She said, you can see the little girl just kind of rise off the ground. And she said, and we're going to go to church tonight, and we're going to celebrate what Christmas is tomorrow, and then tomorrow we'll celebrate Christmas. That's the kind of excitement, the sort of anticipation I think begins at what we should have this time of year. We're all called to make our preparations for Christmas. We prepare our homes, don't we? We hang wreaths, we put up trees, we buy gifts that we wrap in a beautiful color, we plan parties, we host family gatherings, we cook extra things. We might even cook things that we don't eat any other time of year. These are all important preparations. It's part of the joy of this time of year with friends and family, and I have no desire to say that these things aren't important but, or, or to make us feel guilty about doing them. But it's important that we remember the important preparations that touch our attitudes and our emotions. That we hear John the Baptist telling us to prepare the way of the Lord, not just by how we decorate our homes or the gifts we buy or the social events we attend, but spiritually, inwardly. That the main event, the baby in the manger, the Christ child is just around the corner and we should make ourselves ready. Advent comes as a call for us to focus on the meaning of Christ's birth for us and for our world. To let the voice in the wilderness of old speak to us in the wilderness of our lives. The spiritual needs to invade our materialism. Our earthly warrings must be challenged by the Prince of Peace. The sacred needs to penetrate our secularism and the joy of birth, the birth of Christ can echo in our despairing hearts. In the East, in ancient times, when a king proposed a visit to a part of his kingdom, he would send a messenger ahead to tell the people to prepare the roads. John the Baptist is that messenger. The king is coming, he says. Prepare the way of the Lord, he says. Make his path straight. Every valley shall be filled. Every mountain and hill shall be brought low, and the crooked shall be made straight. And the rough ways shall be made smooth, and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. 
Friends, don't live your roads, but live your hearts. Get ready to receive the good gifts of life. Prepare, anticipate receiving all that makes life rich and colorful and joyous. Prepare the way of the Lord. That's not a threat. It's not a grim warning. It is a gracious invitation. An invitation to prepare for Christ to be born anew in our hearts. And so let us, this time of year, invite one another to receive Christ anew. Let us invite our own selves to receive Christ anew. Let us hear those words and prepare the way of the Lord to live our life in His love. John the Baptist speaks to us. Jesus advancing. Prepare the way of the Lord. Prepare anew this celebration of Jesus' presence with you, here and now, as well as the present. Let us prepare. Will you pray with me? Almighty God, as we prepare anew for the joyous celebration of Christ's presence with us, of your breaking into the world in Jesus, Lord, we pray that you open us to receive you anew, that we prepare our hearts and our lives during the season of Advent for the gift of your Son. Lord, we pray this all in the name of Christ our Lord. Amen.